1: right back. Here's some just fantastic, sassalicious wah-wah guitar music, but it's even better when you're staring at the film guys while doing it. I'm your host, Nikki Dakota, in the studio, live and in person for real. We are here on a beautiful rainy day in the Miami Valley to present for you a uh, fresh and awesome edition of Filmically Perfect on Why So. It's my pleasure to welcome to the studio the Nitrate Film Archivist for the Library of Congress and the largest frame brain on the planet. He is our friend. And he's amazing. He's George Willem and George.
2: Filmically perfect is one bad mother.
1: (laughs) Also, (laughs) yes. Shut your mouth. (laughs) I'm just
2: talking about filmically perfect.
1: (laughs) Also live in the studio today, our friend and friend to all the big stars, storyboard artists for the Coen brothers for 20, more than 20 years (sighs) and counting, and uh, a great uh, film I suddenly feel old
0: when I'm coming (laughs) in here.
1: 20 some odd. We don't know the odd. Actually, we do know the odd. Very odd. He is uh, J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd, Welcome.
0: It's always my pleasure, especially today, because we get to do something we always like
1: to do. It's your pleasure to offer a guilty pleasure on this edition. Yes!
2: Guilty
3: pleasures! (laughs) This
0: is not the, um, you know, we we always... Talk about perfect movies And you know In the perfect movie It, it creates a world Existing of course The perfect movie does And it
2: Right uh, And it wholly Sustains that world And regardless of Changes in society the Our perfect movies Retain their meaning And entertainment value And they're never placed In any kind of Preferential or numerical order Each movie is perfect Within its own scale But we got some real
1: <laughs> However But that <laughs> ain't <laughs> Those
0: movies today. No, Not today <laughs>
1: We ought to have a set of rules for uh, for the guilty pleasures. You know, read those and then say that these have no redeeming value. These, oh, they have redeeming value.
0: We preferential. We we like them. Yeah. We just we think they're cool. We, there's no way they could be perfect. But I'll tell you what, they are. These are some cool movies, man. They're just too much fun. And if you find, you
1: know? I think a, a good test for it is if you're drawn back again and again. That's if right. You, if you'll watch it again. But, but before
2: we get into that, we <laughs> have a special O oh man uh, letter
1: that we're going
0: to
2: read on the air.
1: This is
0: our favorite letter we've ever gotten,
1: and it just came it, in.
0: Yeah, and and, and George is going to read it because he has a much better reading voice than I do. But I just got to tell you, I was this is this is like. Puts us over the edge with our egos. In fact, they, <laughs> oh. you know, just watch
2: out because our ego is going to grow every time we watch it, We read this letter. Go, George. Go. Okay, the letter says Hello from Bendigo, Australia. My husband Adrian and I are, are addicted to your show. <laughs> Unfortunately, it seems everything stopped on iTunes after December ni- uh, 2009. Apocalypse Now is the final broadcast. Sorry about that.
1: Yeah, what uh, a way to leave it. No
2: trace on iTunes. Are you still broadcasting? Yes, here we are. <laughs> We love the camaraderie shown with the three of you. We think if we were to go to the States that Yellow Springs would definitely be on our destination list. Oh, please come to Culpeper also. Keep up the extraordinary work. Some movies we love and submit for your consideration. Razzle Dazzle, which is an Australian film. Midnight Run, 12 Angry Men, Scrooge with Alistair Sim, Sim, excuse me, I'll put my thumb up for that one. Uh, The Legend of 1900 and Cold Comfort Farm. And then they go on to say, can I just say, I hated love, actually, especially the porn star bits and anything to do with Hugh Grant. And actually, they put huge Grant, which is even better. Sorry, Nikki. Keep up the great work. And God bless Carolyn and Adrian Staskiewicz. Please send email to this. Oh, never mind.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. please send all responses <laughs> well, to.
2: Thank you so much, Carolyn and Adrian. Yes, we thank you so much. We just
0: we need that occasional that was, boost, you know,
2: That was Bonzer. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And uh, from down under, how very nice. We're, that we're a world like getting away. out
0: there, and you know, the problem is when we stop recording these shows, we never like say, "Okay, we're done playing now." We just don't ever do it. We just come back and do it again you
1: know? <laughs> well you're in town it's so nice to be looking at the both of you because we're in town and we're um tracking a lot of uh, new shows great great new ones i've had my musical uh, i've should say filmical um horizons quite broadened just in the last few days and yep. so
2: so you can gang out there you can look forward to uh, a goodly amount of new shows uh, mixed in with some old favorites we don't want to blow everything on the first month so
1: but uh yeah just just
2: you keep listening. we keep got listening. all sorts of cool things coming up.
1: We certainly do. And on this particular day... The Don't get
2: attached to color, though. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Honestly, I think, I think I was the first to actually notice that yes, there was an absence of any color in any of these films. And, and a couple of them actually were made in a time that the, the, uh, the directors could have used color but mm-hmm, did sure. not. So a very interesting batch this time around. And uh, stay close. By the way, if you would like to write your own letter to the film guys, uh, we always love to hear from you and... It's open 24 hours a day. You can just write guys at perfectmovie.net. That's filmguys at perfectmovie.net. You can also write to us here at WYSO or find a link directly to the Filmically Perfect website, and that's at WYSO.org. Oh,
2: and we also now have a page on Facebook. Facebook. You can complain to us directly. Uh, is that, uh,
1: it, can you be a fan there? Is that, is oh, that you can. The,
2: yes, you can fan yeah. us on Facebook. Let's and in May, that. we're going to make an appearance. We, it's
0: not solidified yet, but there's a chance that we're going to make an appearance at the Dayton Film Festival. And we'll have a live show so you can, you know, pelt us with rocks and garbage <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and oh, really let us know sapricone. how you think about the, the movie selections. Or you can challenge us, and, and then I'll turn you over to George
2: uh, because, you know, he's. Yeah. Our man from the Library of Congress. Yeah, you really shouldn't have said that because I think my mom is listening and she's got a really good throwing arm.
1: Ooh. <laughs> we'll be a part. Um, we're going to do something with film Dayton this year. Another great aspect to uh, films uh, originating from and being attracted to the Miami Valley. It's a great pleasure to be involved with that. So stay tuned. Keep your heads up. We'll be um, got some great new shows for you and also a, a live taping in May. So uh, on that note, gentlemen, uh, on this uh, beautiful. Beautiful day, you have reached into the recesses of your film experience and pulled out two that are shy of perfect, but still notable. And um, who, which, which, which will we present first here?
0: Um, well, it doesn't matter. But I'll just say I've selected "The California Kid," which is a made-for-TV movie, which is where I got my start. Uh, in the movies, uh, on uh-huh. made-for-TV movies back in the 80s. And this was made in 1974. And this has our fearless, fearless actor from Dayton, Ohio, Martin Sheen, and one of the greatest actors to ever grace the screen, Vic Morrow, and Michelle Mamas and the Papas Phillips. Now, it's not Mackenzie Phillips. That's her, I think it's her ma. It but stepmom, was, I think. She was the girl that did uh, Mamas and Papas. She was the center, the blonde, the tart that sang with Papa John. And then, <laughs> making his one of his earliest screen appearances: nick nolte before rich man poor man put him over the top
2: and he looks like ron howard
1: yeah yeah
0: but this you know don't call him opie whatever you do um and and then the, (laughs) the uh joe estevez which is martin sheen's brother um is in this picture too so uh this is a um this was directed by directed by richard uh, Heffron, who is a big made for TV movie guy. And I blew, do believe that the writer Richard Compton. Wrote the very first picture I wrote. I worked on and back in the uh, uh, when I started in the movie business. Is
2: that Thompson's last run? I think. I'm yeah. not
0: sure. We'll have to check that. Uh, out. How we could, could you up.
1: know that? Oh my goodness! So that's you my job. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it's
0: probably. I'm not sure. I don't think that's right, but I do recognize Richard Compton's name because he wrote a lot of stuff. Um, you say
1: 1974 on this yes. film, and that was uh, music from it that we came in with. with yeah, that, yes, that was the opening pedal. music
0: from it. It wasn't
2: Charlie's Angels. I, uh, <laughs> I believe, and I believe the uh, composer is uh, Luci de Jesus,
1: whom I do
2: not know, but we'll be looking him up.
1: With the largest frame brain, so Jay Todd, did you first? I mean, you must have then come upon this first on television.
0: Well, when we were kids growing up, um, this made-for-TV movie just hit. Uh, it just hit really hard because um, Martin Sheep pulls up in this 1934 three-window uh, uh, Ford coupe, and then Sheriff Roy. Sheriff sure, Roy, he's the bad guy. And that's that's Vic Morrow, the famous Vic Morrow. And he was doing – it looks like he was a big star at this time, and I, I'm i not sure about any of this. But I think that Martin Sheen had just done Apocalypse Now, and he was gaining fame because this is like – like what
2: was Apocalypse? Well, Apocalypse Now came out in 79, but there was a lot of production on it. But Martin Sheen was a quickly rising star. I mean he had done um, – uh, Catch-22. Oh, Badlands, and, right? And, and, and Badlands, I
1: think yeah. that's where it What's wasn't. Sissy on that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. It wasn't
0: uh, Apocalypse Now. I think Badlands was pushing him over yeah. the
2: top around this time. So, um, yeah, he gets, it's interesting. He gets his name before the title, and then it's followed immediately by, you know, it's like Martin Sheen in California Kid starring Vic Morrow. Wow. So I'm sure there were days of meetings between agents and production staff on how that titling was going to fit in there.
0: And you know one of the things they used to do with these movies is and I remember because um, the movie that I worked on this is what they did is they'd find a big time star who was established and then they'd try to find an up and rising star and put it in there and then they the CBS or NBC or whatever it is would get two runs out of these maybe uh, made for TV movies and then they would sell it in Euro- to Europe and other countries as a theatrical production right and that's how they made the money on these things: is that they would give it to the network for sweeps weeks. That's what that's when all the ratings are coming in, and th- they would play those things and get their sweeps. You know, get their advertising revenue, and they would do it for free. And they would they would take care of the production themselves, and then they would have pre sales to Europe. And and that's where they would sell them. And that's I'm, a
1: pretty sweet little procedure. That's there. what they
0: did for years and years and years. And and there's no the made for TV movies aren't around anymore the way they used to be because there used to be movie of the weeks so they'd fill up schedules with them, and that's the way they did them. Because the one that I worked on was Thompson's Last Run. I had um, Robert Mitchum in it, and um, and 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 Kathleen York. She was the up and coming star, and Wilford Oatmeal Brindley. You know. Um, <laughs> It's the right thing to do. Um, uh, and in this movie, he comes to town. He comes to town. I have to do this myself. George usually does this part, but I'll, I'll do the best yeah, go I ahead. can. Yeah, I have not seen it. But anyway, he comes to town as this, like, cowboy in this 34-4 because his brother has been killed. His real brother in playing, you know, the, the part. But in the movie, his uh, fictional brother was killed because some evil sheriff ran him off the road and killed them. They were sailors, and that makes it even harder, to, you know, to handle that and um <laughs> yeah because they're serving our country and this is back oh. in the 50s this is a period film film that's supposed to be 1958 and then um Martin Sheen comes in the cool cowboy kind of guy and he finds Vic Morrow and he figures out all this and he falls in love with the town tart which is Michelle Phillips you know who's Sheriff Roy's squeeze you know and
1: uh, oh troubles brewing yeah, here yeah there's a
0: little bit of you know rivalry they're just just like a western that's what it is and then uh, he finds out that Sheriff Roy is it has is psychotic he's demented because he's lost his family in some sort of accident and he takes it out on everybody who's speeding through their town because that's what happened his child was killed and his wife was killed and they show they have his really, a
1: speeder yeah they have uh, this really great scene where they
0: show the the, the dank swing set and the the sandbox and the tricycle's turned over and and he's over there drinking you know on the swing set and he's really upset about the loss of his family like 10 or 15 years ago so he just gets into one of these stupor rages and he goes after any speeder comes through town so uh you know the california kid sets him up martin sheen does and they go out and they do the twisty twisty through the roads and he misses his eat he misses his turn, and Sheriff Roy overruns a turn and gets killed. It's very simple, very basic. Should
1: I have played a spoiler Did there? You spoil
3: <laughs> the ending? Oh, play the spoiler alert! You
1: know, I just feel like we might have had a little, a uh, little spoilage there, I mean, I guess a little, this, this... little something on the spoiling I mean, sorry.
3: end. <laughs> <laughs> You
1: know wait, that's probably what he sounded like as he exactly. was off the
0: road. It is a made for TV movie, so we can, you know, we can <laughs> crumble up the tempo and toss it every once in a while.
1: We have a little you know? piece of uh some kind of dialogue here, don't
3: we? Yeah, Do this is, set it up, set it up.
0: This is Vic Morrow and Martin Sheen and they're discuss this is the very beginning of the movie and they're discussing this. Uh you know, what's wrong with society and reckless drivers.
3: Hi. Oh, that's a real fancy looking machine you got there. Oh, would you take it out, please? You mind if I uh, take a look under the hood? Sure. Everything and the kitchen sink. What did she do? 75 and 10. 75 and 10? Is that a fact? It's a fact. Hmm. Oh, uh, you know what the uh, speed limit is here? 35. Uh-huh. You know how fast you were going? 38. Clocked you at 40. It's your wheels. My wheels? And you got oversized wheels. That throws your speedometer off some. <laughs> well, I heard a lot of stories of mine today. It was the first time I heard of that. That's a fact. Uh huh. Lock it up, we're going in.
1: Uh-huh. So Vic Morrow and uh, Mr...
0: Martin Sheen, our Martin man from Dayton, Sheen. Ohio, before he was president.
1: <laughs> Long before. Before he went to Vietnam. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and
0: uh, Before
1: he went on a killing spree with yeah. Sissy Spacek. And... About the same time, actually. Yeah, about the same time, all right.
0: One of the things that the producers always banked on on these movies was the star power, and it's all over the place, you know, because, you know, it's a real loose script. It's real simple. It's a very... Um, There's not much of a plot in this, but you watch Vic Morrow, man. He's an awfully good actor. And And of course...
1: uh, I'm reminded of the horrible, tragic demise of Vic Morrow some years later. Oh, the Twilight Zone movie. And what? something of a comeback effort for him, was it not? And no, after, after just, a great career, he was just you
0: know filling in time. I think that Mark, right. Vic Morrow would have just kept coming back and coming back because he was one of those great actors. And I met his his ex wife a couple of years ago and ran around with her in France when we were at an award ceremony, and she was fascinating. She was a writer, and then I know his daughter Jennifer a little bit, you know, through the Cohen brother affiliation, and. And um, when I see them, I always think of Vic Morrow because he was such a powerful screen uh, presence. And not to diminish um, Nick Nolte or Martin Sheen here, but this is one of my favorite movies because of, of Vic Morrow and his evil it, this demented sheriff, he plays Sheriff Roy. Can um, I ask
1: you what keeps it from being full-on perfect? What, what I think the
0: writing's a little loose. You know, it, this is going to survive because it has that amazing 34 Ford and all the hot riders, like I know <laughs> here in Dayton, every Friday they meet at Kmart there. And if you brought that 34 Ford in there, they know exactly what the California Kid 34. So it, it lives through, you know, our fascination with machinery. And this, is, what I'm looking at is a disc that's been reprinted from Universal, and it just looks spectacular spectacular for a made for TV movie. And um George and I are noticing that Universal is doing a very good job at taking care of their pictures, although they own everything it seems now. And George's picture was made by Universal that he's gonna talk
2: about. That is correct, yes. Um this this is and it, and there is some similarity to it in the idea of um uh, street rods and fighting the the man and and whatnot. This is a film from nineteen eighty four. Uh, directed by Walter Hill, this is right after um, he had done Forty Eight Hours. In fact, that and, and if you see the trailer, that's a lot of what they they uh, kind of push on people. It's like from the makers of Forty Eight Hours, and this film <laughs> is called Streets of Fire, and it is like to me, it's like the ultimate expression of the '80s, and it's sort of like uh, Walter Hill's sort of epic poem paean to to the '50s with 80s sensibilities, although that sounds like an oxymoron. But, but it uh, works? Oh, it does work. It didn't work very well in 1984. <laughs> it was not a big success. They had a lot of hope for it. Um, but it has kind of grown in stature since then. It's, it's quite a cult movie. It's um, directed by Walter Hill, and I believe he also wrote the screenplay, or at least the story for it. Um, it stars one of the big 80s stars who has pretty much since vanished, Michael Paré. Who's probably best remembered for playing Eddie in Eddie and the Cruisers?
1: Oh, what a cutie pie! I yep. remember him. and
2: and it also has uh, Diane Lane as as this uh, as the singer, the the main lead uh, female who is character. Still
0: actively working, Josh Brolin's wife. She's
2: still cutting up the turf, man. She's still doing great work. And also uh, Willem Dafoe oh plays the villain, and he's probably never been ickier. Um, <laughs> who is Willem Dafoe?
1: Didn't he, the, didn't he? Oh, sorry. Ah, who is that guy? <laughs> uh,
2: Rick Moranis and uh, Rick and Moranis. Rick Moranis. He and, was in the
1: '80s films oh, a lot, he's very wasn't 80s, he? Yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, Amy Madigan as the uh, hardcore uh, soldier on uh, Soldier of Fortune, basically.
1: Wow.
2: <laughs> so the story the story mainly concerns. This uh, this sort of mythical city. It's a cityscape that's sort of you know bits and pieces of all cities, and it's divided up into different areas. And it starts out in what they call the Richmond, and there's a concert going on with this singer Ellen Aim and her and the attackers. And you see Ellen Aim come out, and she sings this song uh, written by Drett. I knew I was going to forget his name, but it's the guy who wrote all the songs for Meatloaf. Like Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. And, oh, and
1: I don't even. His name n- is Master potatoes. No.
2: <laughs> his name's Cole Slaw. Cole Slaw. <laughs> but it's one of those big operatic '80s power songs. You know, the moment oh, you hear boy. the the chords, you know it's this guy's song. And I'm so embarrassed that I have forgotten his name. Well, you
1: can. We'll put it on the uh, on the website. Right.
2: But, anyways, uh, at the end of her song and Foe and his motorcycle gang break into the concert and kidnap her, and Why? take her away because he wants her. Why not? You know. Uh, so one of the concert guards uh, calls her brother, writes to her brother, who is Michael Parade, to come back. We ne- they need help. So he comes back. He finds out about uh, his ex-girlfriend, the singer, being kidnapped, and he gets together with her manager, who is Rick Moranis, and this soldier of fortune, who's Amy Madigan, and they go off. To, uh, to rescue her from the motorcycle gang. And, of course, there's lots of explosions and...
0: Oh, man, I can't wait. I just can't wait.
2: And um, it it gets, you know, the, the whole thing, That one of the greatest things about the film is the design of it because it's all wet city streets and neon lights and a lot of uh, quirky editing and, and these beautiful transitions that kind of look like torn paper, which are Ooh. really fascinating. Um, but... To give you an idea, one of the things I think that probably people had a problem with is that Walter Hill has has his characters speak like they're in a comic book. And the dialogue is very stilted and is set in a very certain way. And I think people really didn't know how to take it. And to show you what I mean, we have a scene here between Michael Paré and Amy Madigan, but also a bartender named Clyde who is played by a very young Bill Paxton. So, uh, with a really goofy-looking uh, uh, ducktail uh, hairdo. So, let's play that little sound piece here. And. Tequila. Hey, Tom. Tom Cody. It's been a long time, pal. How's your hammer hanging?
3: How's it going, Clyde?
0: <laughs> Not so hot. I got beat up trying to save your old girl. I could
2: use a little help with those guys. You should have been there, Tom. It'd been like the old days when we were in school. We'd have kicked ass.
3: Hey, bartender, you gonna shoot this all night or you wanna get me another drink?
0: Hey Tom, would you get a load of this little honey? She thinks she owns the place.
3: I'm just trying to get myself a drink, pal.
0: Well, maybe you've already had enough, babe. You gotta be kidding me. Do I look like I'm kidding? You no, know, maybe you ought to pay up
2: as well. You've been driving up a tab here all night. We're not real big on credit. Are you trying to say that I can't pay? Yeah, let's see the color of your money.
3: They're happy. Yeah. Now, I don't like your face. You know, everywhere I go, there's always an act.
2: Hey, you got any preferences?
3: I've always been a tequila man. Let's get out of here. My
1: name's McCoy. I'm a soldier. At least I was up until about a year ago.
2: <laughs> so you can see, actually, the characters not so much talk in this film as they pretty much snarl at each other all the way through. Everybody I like snarls. There's a good
1: other. description of that very cartoon comic yeah. book like.
2: And it is and the look of it is very comic book. It's always bright colors and and very you know sort of basic colors. No no pastels in this film.
1: I like it.
2: But as they go out, the basic you know the basic crux of the story is this adventure of them going into the bikers' domain to rescue. Uh, Diane Lane or Ellen Aim, as she's called. And then they they get her back to the Richmond, but then they got to contend with the motorcycle gang coming back after her. And so it comes down to a showdown between uh, Michael Perret and Willem Dafoe. And I won't say how it turns out so people can actually watch this and see it.
1: It's called uh, Streets of Fire, 1984, right there in just the the class of the synth uh, and large Mm -hmm. hair, exaggerated clothing, and this somewhat cartoonish movie. And
2: the thing, like I said, the the settings are very 50s. The styles of uh, the cars are all 50s and uh, late 50s and 40s cars. Uh, but but the hairstyles are all 80s, and some of the clothing affectations, like the collars turned up and the little tiny ties and stuff like that. Um, a couple of interesting people show up along the way. There's uh, Ed Bagley Jr. does a little cameo as a street man. and um,
1: He and, must be quite young in that. Yep.
2: Now. And at one point, they stop a bus, uh, sort of hijack a bus that is uh, being driven by a doo-wop group going to another concert. And one of the doo-wop members is um, – the director of Hollywood Shuffle, Robert Townsend.
1: Oh, my. When he
2: was getting started.
1: So a real, well, maybe not a vehicle, but the beginnings of several waves that would go on to... Uh...
2: And and while we were playing that audio clip, I remembered the name. <laughs> the composer of the two operatic ballads in this film is Jim Steinman, uh, who is a character in himself. Look him up on the Internet. He's got his own website. A very unusual personage. Uh, but the music in this film was one of the big things. Rye Cooter... Uh, did some of the music, the interstitial music between them, but it has a lot of music numbers in it. They put out quite an amazing soundtrack album. Um, people like like Jim Steinman. There's um, I think a Madonna song on there. There's the Blasters do a song, and and Ray Cooter does a song called "Hold That Snake." Ha ha ha. And um, and it really it really keeps the movie going. The movie never lets up. Once it gets rolling at the beginning at high speed, it just it just elevates to the end. And uh, and it is a, it's a it's a great little film. I, I think
1: it sounds great. It's a
2: lot of fun. It's not perfect because it's not, you know it, I think some of the some of the '80s elements do date it a bit, so it kind of falls out in that area. But it's so much fun, and it's just fun to sit there and just enjoy and not think about.
1: It's a very <laughs> special edition of Filmically Perfect on ninety one three W You know so. what's even
0: more special is Nikki's going to tell us about her guilty pleasure. <laughs> in movies except it's,
1: uh, <laughs> except it's t- TV shows I, uh, I, I <laughs> we uh, talked about it and I said you know I have I thought, but... yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Down With Love I
2: thought it was going to be like Pasolini's yeah, Solo or Yeah, Down like With that. Love
1: actually is an excellent excellent movie <laughs> Down With Love has some of the you talk about caricatures of scenery and of personas and of the conflict of male-female dominance and the struggle for uh, <laughs> equal pay <laughs> <laughs> Down with now, Love is a perfect movie. I will say,
2: I will say, I watched it, and with with my wife Felicia, and we both enjoyed it very much. You did. Um, I enjoyed except it. Except it's just like it's just like pillow talk. I
1: do. So I like, dress up
0: in pajamas and and watch it, and just <laughs> hope that I visualize I'm on a split screen with you know somebody else. You do not. With split screen you with telephones, do not. you know, like with movie. and who was it? It was Doris Day, <laughs> and they were putting the little telephones up to their ears. Uh-huh. So do you want
2: the, the split screen with Rock or with Doris?
0: Oh. <laughs> I must. I gotta confess something right now. I was in love with Doris Day. Ooh, she had a it. television she, show she when I was a small it. kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, freckles and everything, man. She so was it's great. like a
1: caricature of pillow talk, but really well done with sort of modern sensibility, with a really, um, a really just a, a sharp, funny wit added in. It's uh, well, I think
2: that they actually pulled it off very well of, of a film that is a sort of an homage. I'm uh, um, homage to, to a style of film that is long since gone. I think it did an excellent job, and probably the best thing they did was putting Tony Randall in there, because yeah. he is emblematic of that type of film. Uh, in fact, next month at the at the center in Culpeper, we are showing uh, Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter,
1: oh, which is say. sort of that
2: kind of that kind of film, which has Tony Randall in it.
1: Yeah. So I would like to know then why George, this is uh, cannot be considered a perfect film since you've seen it. Why? Why uh, can't it be perfect? Because the two
2: of us cannot agree on it. We
1: just can't. Oh, I see. Uh, Consensus so, so, is the word. So I'm, I'm staring my hairy eye we over then to Jay We have a board we have to pay
0: to. You know, we have to, like, go to this board, and Bud inski's in charge of this board, and we have to present these things, and we have to go under the knife, you know?
2: Um, so we. Just I can't
1: to believe that Bud board. wouldn't like it.
2: Well, actually, the truth is that Bud was up for the, the role that Ian McEwen got. And he's, kinda, he's upset about it.
1: Well, that. you never said that. Well, I'm going to have to talk to Bud, and we'll get back here. Uh, he, saying, he keeps
2: saying, asset or liability,
0: boys? What is it? Bud <laughs> you know, he's all over us. He's our boss.
1: This has been a very special edition of Filmically Perfect and the clarion call to a new swing of brand new shows every Friday at 1230 on 91.3 WYSO, Yellow Springs, Dayton, Springfield. And uh, are we going to give any tip of the hat for what's coming down the park or just stay tuned?
2: Oh, it's just a little bit of everything. Although, like we said earlier, don't look for anything in color. Everything is monochrome. <laughs> and it looks good. And it, there is a cool hat gag
0: in one of the movies we're doing with two very famous comedians. Several. So that's our tip of the hat. There's our a hat hat.
1: Yeah, with a the hat. <laughs> There's
3: yeah. a lot of hat humor coming up. I'll see
0: you on the radio, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Like a robot. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you,
3: please.